been talking about this, you know, sort of every quarter as we've gotten deeper and deeper into this liquidity crunch. Investors are shying away from applications and location-based services. But at the same time, and sort of counterintuitively, there is record amounts of money going into space infrastructure. Welcome to the Space Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Anderson, founder and managing partner at Space Capital, a seed stage venture capital firm investing in the space economy. We're actively investing out of our third fund with 100 million under management. You can find us on social media at Space Capital. In this podcast, we explore what's happening at the cutting edge of the entrepreneurial space age and speak to the founders and innovators at the forefront. Welcome everyone to our office here in New York City. It's good to have you with us as Justice and I discuss startup activity and investment trends in the space economy. We're going to cover uh, a lot of data from our Q4 Space IQ report that we just recently published. Q4 is a fun one because we get to look back on the year that's just passed and the year ahead, right? And so what to look forward to. So 2023 was a tough year. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, a wave of layoffs, down rounds across tech. So it was a tough year. But at the same time, the space economy was really resilient and showed a lot of signs of resiliency. There was $4.5 billion invested in Q4, so $18 billion in 2023. There's now been $298 billion invested into 1,800 unique space companies over the last 10 years. So, you know, I guess to kick things off, you know, and get started, what were the highlights, in your opinion, looking back at the year, what were the highlights for you? Why did space show resiliency? Yeah, I mean, I think this year, as many years in the past, has to focus on SpaceX. I mean, no one executes like the team at SpaceX, head and shoulders above everybody else, every government in the world, they're just doing things and nobody can even keep up with. So, you know, we've heard some of the high level numbers, you know, incredible record setting year in terms of launches, 96 successful launches, including five Falcon heavies, incredible. They set a record reusing boosters 19 times. I mean, you know, it was only a few short years ago that we didn't think reusing boosters was even possible, you know, much less five, 10 times. You know, now we're almost at 20 times being able to reuse these boosters. Um, and they're certifying them for 40 yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. They did the shortest turnaround time between launches, set a record there with three hours between different launches within the company. And then they had two flights of Starship. And I would argue both of them were incredibly successful, got off the pad, didn't totally destroy everything, and um, you know learned a tremendous amount and made a lot of technical progress. So just on the launch side, incredible milestones, record-setting achievements. Then you get to the Starlink side of the equation. 67 of those 96 launches or just for Starlink. You know, Starlink is SpaceX's biggest customer. It's incredible. And that's where that reusability comes into play and it's so important. You know, there was 1,776 new Starlink satellites launched. You know, again, a few short years ago, you know, that magnitude of um, total satellites, you know, was not even fathomable. Six new direct-to-cellular satellites that were launched that, you know, is really going to open up an entirely new market for how they operate. And we did get a peek into the revenue figures that became publicly available through uh, Wall Street Journal work that said, you know, 
4.6 billion in revenue for the company for 2022, Q1 cash flow positive net income, and you know, real potential to double those figures in 2023. I mean, that that is real revenue growth. That is strong. There's a robust company here. So hats off to SpaceX, the team there, just the incredible technical achievements. That to me is the one big thing from last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number of launches is incredible, right? I mean, it was a record year globally for orbital launches. SpaceX accounted for half of that. So clearly dominating the market. Everyone last year launched on SpaceX. But the number of launches is one thing, like the mass to orbit is yeah. like SpaceX absolutely dominates the market in terms of mass to orbit. And a lot of that's Starlink, really fascinating stuff. Okay, so we should probably address this one head on, right? If you look at total space economy investment 2023 was the lowest year on record for the last 10 years right and the reason for this is because investment into applications really fell off a cliff yeah so they account for three-fourths of all investment into the space economy you know over the last 10 years so when applications takes a hit you know that really has an outsized impact on the overall numbers so this isn't a surprise, right? We've been talking about this, you know, sort of every quarter as we've gotten deeper and deeper into this liquidity crunch. Investors are shying away from applications and location-based services. But at the same time, and sort of counterintuitively, there's record amounts of money going into space infrastructure. So last year was the second highest year on record for investment dollars going to, into space infrastructure companies. Only 2021 was, was higher, right? The height of market frenzy. So infrastructure investment accounted for 70% of all investment last year. Like that was the primary, like the dollars that were going into the space economy went to infrastructure and also into some of these emerging industries in lunar and space stations and manufacturing and uh, space traffic management solutions, right? So, so why is this? You know, I think that kind of one of the big themes for me looking back on 2023 was why is this sort of counterintuitive scenario playing out, right? And it's because of government dollars, right? In this market, in this economic downturn, um, headwinds, right? Revenue dollars are hard to come by, but governments are continuing to spend across market cycles and there's more investors that are willing to fund them. I mean, every VC right now is talking about defense tech. Right? They're talking about defense tech and they're talking about AI, both of which like space companies have a huge role to play in, and companies are doing interesting things in both of those areas. So that was a key theme for me. And also just thinking about governments around the world starting like waking up and recognizing that space-based technologies are essential for our national security and economic stability and economic growth. And so, you know, you think about the we pointed out in our opening letter and like kind of that the DOD is re-architecting its approach to solutions and leveraging more commercial capability. And the US DOD is a trillion dollar annual budget, right? So any small movements here are gonna make a, you know, have an impact, a large impact on space startups and investment. Yeah, so this is, um, I think, something that was really sort of pronounced in 2023, and it's gonna continue into 2024 and beyond as large government agencies learn to work with and how to procure services from commercial companies. So I know you're doing a lot of thinking about this too. Anything to, to add there? I mean, I think that's the key point. You heard a lot of space companies talk about 
a shift to you know defense tech, and you know, that was a clear theme in, in the year. But what underlied that is you know the U.S. government, U.S. DoD rearchitecting how they build and manage you know their assets, and this is going from concentrated systems where you have you know key points of big, expensive, elegant solutions both in orbit and you know around the world to distributed systems, low cost, yeah. high tech, more software based that are expendable, and this is you know in ramp up to you know, a, a new potential space race and global arms race. And there's a fundamental re-architecting that is underway. And so you can see in the budget, you know, the growth, particularly within, you know, the, what goes to the Space Force and total space spending has, you know, been increasing significantly more so than other, you know, departments. 20, 30 over the, percent a year or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, over the last three years. Yeah. And, you know, so their increased dollars increased willingness to adopt technology and an increased reliance on commercial partners to help augment the capabilities in this transition. And the transition's still underway. I mean, the plan is out there, it's known, but you know, the government is picking the winners and ultimately who they're going to rely on to determine how they're going to win. And so that that's what I think the investment dollars are pursuing. You know, that one or two or three of these companies are going to really end up dominating and you know, be a critical part of, of how the U.S. DOD operates. Yeah. Um, so we do have a new report that'll be coming out that focuses really specifically on space and the soft underbelly that, you know, has created a real opportunity for our adversaries and how that re-architecting is happening. And we go really deep into it. So it's actually a, a really great piece. And so that's something people should keep an eye out for because there's a tremendous amount of insight there. And we were talking about this earlier, but just picking up on something that you mentioned about the government picking winners. So the government thought they're looking to tap into commercial capability. Commercial companies are moving very quick. They're innovating very fast. Yeah. I mean, look at the accelerated test programs of SpaceX and others, right? I mean, there's some really interesting technology that's being developed and governments generally are not great allocators of capital, right? So they're not great at picking the winners. What they're looking to do is to cast a wide net and get access to some of these new capabilities and plug them into their programs. Right? Yeah. And so that's part of our role is helping like to find these companies early on and to, to invest in them and sort of help to make those connections, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think we do some of that in in our reporting and and we talk about that a little bit in the report too. So and I think the dollars, you know, the the companies that the VCs back and consolidate their investments around are going to sort of force a winner here. Yeah. So it's going to be an, an interesting dynamic to watch, you know, play. Government, you know, wants to spread the money around. Venture wants to consolidate that money. And yeah. so there's going to be a real tension there to see how it actually plays out. Yeah. And if it works, well, yeah. we're going to get access to some really interesting um, innovation. New so, capability. The other thing I wanted to touch on is a new section that we've published in the report the path to exit, where what we're really trying to do is to connect our private markets, investment and startup activity data to the public markets and sort of like provide some connective tissue, right? So I think there's some really interesting data and insights that have come out of that. So we're two years into this market downturn and this liquidity crunch, like how is it affecting M&A and IPOs? Um, how is it affecting valuation multiples of these companies as they go, as they get acquired? Who are acquiring these companies? You know, what are the most valuable companies uh, in the space economy, in the private markets? So we cover all of that. There was record M&A deal volume last year. 
these are not the types of acquisitions that investors really want, right? These weren't like very high value um, or high uh, valuation step ups, right? But there was a lot of activity as companies look to integrate interesting strategic technologies, acquire interesting teams, you know. But the majority of companies that were acquired were infrastructure companies yeah. that, you know, need a lot of capital and might be struggling in this market and get picked up by by a competitor or or someone else that's in their space. And it's, you know, so Rocket Lab, for example, is very active on the infrastructure side, acquiring um, satellite companies to help them build out that part of their business. Planet is really active on the applications side, trying to, to stimulate market growth and help drive applications being built on top of their data set. So anyway, the exit data is is really interesting. And it's also kind of like shows the differences between the space capital markets and the broader tech and capital financial markets, because this was a rough year for M&A activity and IPOs. Like yeah. the IPO market is frozen. M&A activity was at, at record lows broadly. But in the space economy, there's a lot of activity happening as things start to consolidate. So anything to add to the path to exit section that you saw that was interesting? I think it's really critical data and it was, you know, exciting to look at it, particularly the heat map of, you know, how value is being, you know, registered within sort of the whole space economy and just how much SpaceX actually makes up of the yeah. value total valuation. It's very visually, you know, apparent, you know, how big of a fish they are. I think the other thing that was really interesting is, you know, we talk about the total capital that has, you know, come in to, you know, these companies, but then you can look at the total exited valuation across the top 10 transactions. And we actually highlight that in the report. And so just within those top 10 transactions, there's a positive multiple in terms of return on capital across all the other, you know, failed companies. Yeah. So that is a, a positive indicator of health across the space economy that I think is, you know, probably a little bit more subdued in the report, but worth yeah. people being aware of. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for calling that out. So yeah. $289 billion of investment capital into the private markets, yeah. private space markets over the last 10 years. Um, just in the top 10 exits, mm -hmm. there's been a positive multiple on that total investment. So yeah, good to call that one out. Okay, so one thing we should definitely talk about before we get off the line here is um, areas to watch in 2024. So why don't you kick us off and like, you know, what should we be looking forward to? You mentioned already the direct-to-device satellites that SpaceX launched at the end of the year, which is, you know, we're all very excited about that, but what else you got? Yeah, so I think, you know, there's a couple transactions that I think were really emblematic of, you know, what, it was important for 2023 and what's going to be driving 2024. So one that I think is worth highlighting is um, you know, Blue Origin self-capitalization. We highlighted their $2 billion investment. Huge reorganization there, big efforts on you know, they're getting their launch capabilities to market and some of the you know, broader applications that they're focused on, you know, getting to the lunar surface. And, and so that's really exciting to see you know, potential competition coming into play here. Armada is a company that came out of Stealth with their seed and Series A announcement, raising you know, 55 million. We talked pretty extensively about the importance of satellite communications, the downstream use of, of satellite communications. But you know, for SpaceX and Starlink to really realize this value, they have to have distribution partners. So T-Mobile is a key one. So Armada is really that, the customer service and you know, delivery arm of Starlink. And they're focusing on some of the highest value opportunity sets with edge computing for you know, defense and 
you know, energy and mining in remote or resilient communication environments. So it's a really important one to watch because it's helping increase the size of the market, helping make this capability and technology more accessible. And then Shield AI, they had a 300 million raise, you know, focus on GPS denied environment, communication, you know, denied environment, creating autonomous capabilities, defense tech, you know, it's, it, I think that will continue to be a, you know, a key theme in the year ahead. So those three transactions really stood out to me as indicators of what was happening last year, but are going to lead into the year ahead. So those are things that I, you know, I thought were really important. And we, we do have a bunch of extra research that I think, you know, if you want to go deeper, you can. The SATCOM playbook's a really good one to dig into. Yeah. Just a couple of things to add to that too. So it was a record year for launch last year. That cadence is going to increase this year. I mean, SpaceX did 96 launches last year. They're talking about doing 150 this year coming up, including orbital launches of their next generation vehicle, Starship, which yeah. is going, you know, talk about massed orbit. I mean, this is going to make the records of today look minuscule by comparison. They're going to be launching a lot of their new Starlink satellites, including their direct to device satellites. It's been really interesting to see just in They've got a partnership with T-Mobile to help distribute and like connect your cellular connectivity in remote areas where you don't have connectivity. They just did a big deal with John Deere to connect yeah. um, tractors. So we're just on like the front end of starting to see like the importance of of this. But despite SpaceX's dominance, their competitors aren't going away quietly. As you mentioned, Jeff Bezos continues to invest heavily into Blue Origin. This could be the year that we see the sleeping giant. Hmm. awaken and get to orbit and to start delivering on, you know, a lot of these promises that they've been making over the last few years, which would be great. You know, there's long awaited competition for SpaceX. Competition is great. You want to see it in as investors or innovators or, you know, just participants in a market. You want to see more competition. It increases innovation and lowers prices. You know, and you see Amazon's Kuiper satellites, you know, they've got their first two prototypes towards the end of last year launch. They're going to be doing more of that later this year with the new Glenn vehicle that's coming online. So, you know, we'll have Starlink and, and alternatives to Starlink as well. Again, really positive. Advancements in AI. AI plays a, a large role. It's a horizontal that cuts across the space economy. It's going to continue to be, I think, you know, 2023 was an, a year that we experimented with AI. 2024 is going to be a year that it gets integrated into enterprise workflows and we start to see it be, play a more integral role in companies. And, you know, we've got, with all this activity, we've got a more need for space traffic management and space traffic coordination. At the end of last year, we saw the first fine for not deorbiting a satellite. It was a small fine, but it would laid the groundwork for helping to make sure that people maintain clean operating orbits. Office of Space Commerce has made their first purchase of procurement of space situational services, you know, in the first part of this year. So yeah. I think that's going to continue to be an important thing, you know, 2024 and going forward. And then I think probably, you know, like, again, kind of going back to where we started, investment in the space economy remains strong, remains resilient. A lot of companies are showing how they can tap into counter-cyclical government and enterprise dollars. So, and this turning of the ship in terms of U.S. DOD re-architecting its approach to procuring more commercial services like that's not going away right like this is going to continue so it's a really interesting time to be here innovation is happening at a record pace 
government funding is only increasing and uh, private market investment dollars are are following suit. So really exciting time to be investing in this category. I think that the Q1 report is going to be really interesting to look at and see as we start to like turn this corner and see, you know, where we start off in, in 2024. But anything else to add? I mean, the single most important thing that I'm looking for is we've built a lot of this infrastructure. There's incredible capabilities on orbit. And it's really how do you make that more accessible to different industries and different users at scale? And AI is going to be an important part of that. You know, it lowers the barriers to adoption. You know, what AWS is doing with you know, SageMaker and their project Argus, what some IBM is partnering with NASA to be able to do that. Meta is doing a segment, anything model. And these are lowering the barriers to entry for geospatial, right? Um, Armada doing that with satellite communications, T-Mobile also doing that. So there's a bunch of interesting and, you know, compelling opportunities there. But that to me is the single most important thing, you know, to justify all this infrastructure. You have to have more companies, more industries, more applications leveraging and realizing the benefit. And that makes the market bigger for everybody. It, it really expands the, the TAM of you know, the space economy. And um, that to me is the single thing I'm going to be watching. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think let's end it there. Thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again in Q1. Thanks for tuning into the Space Capital Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in learning more about investing in the space economy, I invite you to visit our website, spacecapital.com, where you can get access to more industry-leading insights and learn how you can join the entrepreneurial space age.